Hey everyone, thank you for tuning back in with What You Need When You Need It with me, your lovely host, Lydia Champoli. This week I have episode one of a conversation with Denisha Lee, who focuses her research on vulnerability and shame. It was a very interesting conversation, so let's jump right in. I almost fought someone. Okay, I am not a violent person. So when I say I almost fought someone for the second time, this was like I went out with uh, my god sister. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like groping us all night. Oh. And so he went up to every single person in our group. And it was like 10 of us. Yeah. And he kept doing that. So I went out to him at the end of the night and I said, Yo, so now it's to a point where we've all told you no. And as a unit, we've told you no. I need you to back up. And if you don't, we're going to have a problem. He's like, He literally is like this drunk guy, solid ass ginger. Yeah. And he was like just sitting there and I was like, I was like, I don't think you understand. Like, you're pissing me the fuck off right now. Mm-hmm. And I'll, like, it's a dude. I'll fight you. Like, I'm fine. I'm not stronger than I look. So I was like, look. I was like, let's buck up. Like, we're cool. And then um, he literally like, was just standing there and, like, clenched his fist or whatever. Yeah. Came up, pushed me. Well, as soon as I went to go punch him, Kenisha was there. So I almost hit her. And then literally he shoved him to the floor and security got him out. Oh, my God. I was like, they're trying to have me kill him. Okay. So what is your podcast? Wait, no, these are questions to you. Oh, you're asking me questions. No, I don't have questions yet. That's fine. You're fine. I'm organizing myself. Mm. I feel like those situations always end up badly. I've Seriously. seen a girl get punched by a guy. It's no, not. literally, when he got bucked, like, as soon as he stepped up to me, yeah. I was so ready to knock him. Because people really underestimate me, and I grew up in that household. Like, I grew up in, like, a... Stand your ground kind of a thing. Oh, yeah, because your dad is military. Right? hmm Yeah. Yeah, okay. and my brother is just like, the, he totally embodies that whole black mask. Oh, I forgot. Kind of a vibe. Yeah. yeah, so with me, in my house, like, you know, you have to, like, you know, show it's, up. Yeah. Yeah, my mom was the one saying walk away, but my dad's like, if someone steps to you, yeah, you know, you better stand your ground and show them what's up, like, whatever. Plus, people think I'm, like, this little scrawny little thing. So it's so great. You, you kind of do look like a little sprite. Right, but I'm strong as shit. So it's like, okay, fight me. Guarantee you, you will be surprised. Oh my god. So I was like, this guy's bigger than me, but I got that natural strength. You know? Yeah. Okay. Have you been taught how to punch or like? Yeah. You did? Legit. I feel like I have to see this now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, fight. Practice your self-defense when yes. they're trying to like, come at oh you. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love Krav Maga so much. Oh, my goodness. I want to take one of those classes. You should. It's free for a week. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, down here? Uh, that's the problem. Um, yeah. That's okay. It is I'll show up and be like, yeah, I'm right here to whip Lydia's ass. Is that okay, guys? Especially, yeah. <laughs> just, just her. I'm only here to fight her once. Um, and then I'm leaving. No, I haven't learned enough yet to fight. That's okay. It's mm-hmm. to defend yourself, not to fight. Nice right? to do both. The first person who attacks wins the fight, so. Wins? Wins, yeah. Why? Because you started it? Um, just because like, you're prepared, like? you're, you're being aggressive, and usually within the first couple of hits the person is down so if you're the person being hit it's harder for you to recover and then hit that makes person. sense because yeah. i'm like i like push me whatever i literally i was like kenisha if you didn't like yeah. step in i would have actually been able to like get it mm-hmm. i was like i can't have my friend get in the way of me trying to fight somebody yeah and end up hurting her too. yeah i was like you knew i was about to punch this motherfucker you stepped in like why would you do that safety she literally was like denisha i'm looking out for you yeah. i would you know fight anybody for you and i was like i get that but I was trying to fight him for you guys. Let me be. So like, well, he touched you. And I was like, I know that. That was the green light for me. You don't feel like you're just supposed to walk away from that? Normally, that's the thing. I don't believe in violence like that. Yeah. Like, I get the primal side of violence. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, I believe in living through a love ethic. And that that overall has a stronger power mm-hmm. than the violence. Yeah. But with this guy, it was to the point where it was threatening to my friends and my peers, like his actions. And so I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. To neutral is a threat if no one's going to get you out of here. Yes. I'll do it. I, <laughs> I have no problem with that. I and I don't get that tribute, mad. Basically. I don't get that mad. And I was like, if you piss me off enough to want to, like, clench my fist. Yeah. Because I don't know him. That's a guy's. It's a guy, yeah. It's easier for me to get. With women, never in my life. I would walk away. But with men, it's like. Yeah. 
which is so shitty that I would even do that. But, like, yeah, with men, standard. it's a double standard, right? I'm sitting here, like, making women seem, like, fragile. <laughs> like, men can just take it. Exactly. But I literally was like, as a dude, if you're willing to, like, come up to me, yeah. then clearly you're not intimidated by my womanness. Mm-hmm. so I'm going to come to you, too. First of all, that's sketchy that he would even, like, step up to you in that way, like... He literally looked crazy as hell in his Yeah, eyes. that's strange. He literally, like, as soon as I said, yo, I gave him a warning, like, the whole night, we were, like, telling him to back off, mm-hmm. and I said, hey, I'm gonna give you one chance, like, we all have asked you individually and as a team yeah. to leave us alone. Now, if you don't, we're gonna have a problem, mm-hmm. but this is your out, take the out, yeah. like, literally take the out. And he was looking at me crazy, and Kanisha's like, no, seriously, like, get out, and we were, like, mm-hmm. trying to tell him, and he just was standing there, clenched his fists looking psychotic like he was ready to like fight and i was like okay white boy like let's go like white ginger i'm telling you but he was solid i thought that earlier but for some reason these days i've been seeing a lot of pictures of black people with like red hair oh that's oh yeah it's really pretty so automatically i thought that it was like it could be like a black ginger yes no this is like a solid like 200 pound like ginger wow okay yeah i feel like that's a term that they don't like these. Nope. <laughs> I want to piss him off. Like, I'm sitting here ready, like... He's going to know. <laughs> where's, I was like, okay, let's go. Like, literally. He probably just saw me as, like, some angry black woman or something like that. And I probably. was like, that's fine. Because he was not respecting me. So I was like, how is everyone going to tell you to leave us alone? Yeah. And you if you touch me, that's what makes me irritated. Yeah. It's like, if you want to, like, talk to me or whatever, cool. No one likes when someone just grabs them. Yep, getting in your personal all space. All night, literally. I'm like, don't grab my cooch. Like, we're not that close. Oh. Like, we're not that close. Donald Trump status. <laughs> Dead ass. I literally channeled, like, all the rage that I have from any motherfucker doing that. And was like, I feel wow. bad for this guy. Yeah. Security's like, oh, we'll get him out. I was like, where were you, like, an hour ago when he yeah. was on us? Like, well, we'll get him out now. It has to become, like, an actual problem for them to do anything. Right. And I'm like, how is groping not a problem? Like, that's where I do the lines. Like, when is the assault? Sometimes I wish that women would just start doing those things to men. Someone like, grabbed R. Kelly's dick and he liked it. Oh. I don't see. Good to know. Okay. Yeah. He was, like, all up in their business and she was, like, stroking his dick. And then he was, like, being R. Kelly and was, like, like thrusting his hips out and stuff. And she was just, like, touching it oh, no. on the outside. And then, like, he literally was, like, fucking her hand. It was so weird. Oh, and as soon as God. he was done, right before he walked away, she, like, grabbed his junk. And he, like, stuck in the back and was, like... I like that shit. So oh it's like so. It, there's a video. You gotta check it. No, I'm not gonna watch that. I'm so serious. I was like, I don't want to go to an R. Kelly concert. He creeps me the fuck out. So I was like, I would never go <laughs> I to one of his shows. The world out. I would not be front row at an R. Kelly concert. I wouldn't be at an R. Kelly concert <laughs> to begin. With. Really, you don't want to hear "Trapped in the Closet" on like 20 <laughs> chapters? No, 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 no. Good, yeah. You listen to that on YouTube. Literally, watch the videos. Have you seen the whole thing? Me and my sisters watched like half of them and then we just got bored it gets so much better towards the end because everybody's just like cheating on everybody yeah great and they have like an episode of family guy that goes through that too which is i think it's family guy really i wouldn't be surprised if it's family guy because that show is very old gives me a lot of material to work with like in my field it's a great it's a great thing they they do it on purpose yeah right but they do I get that part, mm-hmm. you know, like even with American Dad, right? They're definitely joking about, like they're playing like jokes on like Christians and uh, the, uh, not just like the CIA, but like people that embody like Sam Smith or Stan Smith or whatever. But people when they're watching that, mm-hmm. when you're a kid and you're watching that, not just like a child, child, but like you're watching that, you don't know that they know that. Or you see it and it's a representation of the values that we allow ourselves to have. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, I think those shows are more representative of the fudge zone that we have. Saying like, oh, we know it's a problem. Yeah. But we'll allow this level mm-hmm. to persist. And they think it's not harmless. But I'm like, if you allow even yeah. that extension, yeah. no matter how far the extension is, even if you keep it on a short leash, with how our brains work and how powerful that is, you yeah. can't just turn it off. You know, it's like there's a you should watch a documentary called Dishonesty, mm-hmm. The Truth About Lies on Netflix. Oh, and it's like good. it's so good. And this guy is talking about all these different experiments he did to see this fudge factor mm-hmm. that talks about how willing you are to lie. Because one of the questions he posed was, 
what would you consider yourself to be an honest person? And yeah. everyone in the room was like, yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, well, how many of you guys have lied? Oh, my God, I think I have yeah. seen this. He's like, how many of you guys have lied? And everyone raised their, their hands. And he's yeah. like, oh, the same group, right? He's like, but how is it that we're going to consider ourselves to be honest, even though we know that we lie? I see because yeah. Mm-hmm, it's because that fudge zone that we have. However, what we're not understanding is allowing any level of a culture where we can have dishonesty mm-hmm. opens the door for all sorts of other acts. You know what I'm saying? It does, because you're like, everybody else does it. I'm not doing it as badly right. as them, so but think about, it's okay. But think about if one person, like if I stole 200 bucks from the store, mm-hmm. that's a lot of money. Yeah. But if 200 people stole a dollar, yeah. that's the same effect, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, we think these little lies don't do anything. Because karma is so directional that they yeah. think if you do something bad to me, it, you know, it's going like to come back and get you. Mm-hmm. Instead of realizing... It's more of like a boomerang effect that you put bad out for the whole universe. Yes, yes. Like all these little white lies we tell is responsible for real life crisis, mm-hmm. like poverty and war and slavery and things like that, because we all put bad out into the universe. Yeah, and it doesn't seem as bad too when you when you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, instead of saying I'm running a little late, you make up this whole thing like, oh. I accidentally, like, bumped mm-hmm. into the car in front of me, and now I'm talking to the neighbor. And then you're, yeah. Like, right. It, it builds up. And he talks about your brain becoming kind of desensitized, because your brain conditions itself, right? And you, mm-hmm. like, you put yourself in enough environment, you'll, you know, and that's why with it linked in so well with my studies on vulnerability and shame, because with vulnerability, there's a level of discomfort you have to be willing to lean into, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what I'm a big advocate for, is yeah. that, that zone of discomfort. But he was saying, we all know it's uncomfortable to lie. From childhood on, we know we don't like it, but you yeah. do it enough, eventually it becomes just a little pill you have to swallow. Yeah, instead you of know? like a whole instead body of like the whole like physiological like yes. shaking and nerves yeah. and all that kind of regret. Mm-hmm. So he was saying if we're well, he was saying about how our brain is able to really numb our experience yeah. to lying. Mm-hmm. But if you look at that in the sense of if we were to live virtuous life of being honest yeah it would be very uncomfortable i'm sure to be honest 100% of the time it, it would be very uncomfortable but we are more willing to lean into the discomfort of lying the, than lean into the discomfort of honesty oh, so even though there's such a space clearly you know it would be uh, we'd be very uncomfortable with being honest all the time it would yeah. be something so unfamiliar to us but isn't that more beneficial wouldn't that be so much better if our mind was numb to the nerves that come yeah. from telling the truth because honestly, if you're going to be honest, that's a, a better trait. That's what we all want. Mm-hmm. So we see that we can lean into discomfort with grieving and addiction and things like that. We're yep. taught to kind of break down and then you get back up. Mm-hmm. Trust the process. Lean into discomfort. 12 steps. But we don't do – exactly, 12 yeah. steps. It's going to be hell, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. But we don't see that in terms of like – because everyone will say, well, Denisha, that's too big picture. It's too big picture to live through a love ethic. Well, it's not too big picture. It's just that no one is willing. No, it's not that no one is willing to lean into discomfort, but I don't think we have a culture not only that embodies that, but also that can provide the spiritual nurturement that we would need to lean into discomfort. Mm-hmm. You know, like when my friends are uncomfortable and they're shitty, I give them advice yeah. and then we make them uncomfortable, but I'm the first one that's going to be there through their whole journey to tell them that it's a good process, mm-hmm. that this is what you need to do, like support groups do, yeah. things like that. We don't have a community to do that. And you're kind of almost rewarded for the lie. Because there's personal and political gains to be yes, made. Yes, there is. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I started studying vulnerability and shame is because I feel like that's the real big yin and yang of the world. Like mm-hmm. the good and evil is literally love and shame. Yeah, because every, everything comes back down to shame. To shame. Yeah. Anything comes back to shame. So yeah. I was like, if we're really thinking about it, everything comes back to the transformative power of love mm-hmm. and shame. The only reason why we strive, that's why we say black girl magic, right? Because yeah. we're the most marginalized group. We're women and we're of color, mm-hmm. right? We don't fit any sort of standard, mm-hmm. you know? And the fact that we're still shining yeah. speaks more to the transformative power of love and the fact that we constantly are longing for love and connection, that that shows. That's why, like, patience is virtuous and things like that because mm-hmm. it reveals how strong love is. But shame is so... So destructive, so problematic. So powerful. It's such a powerful force, you know? That's why I'm like, we need to start studying vulnerability and shame. We need to start 
you know, being willing to do that. And if I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to start trying to live a more virtuous life and be honest wholeheartedly, mm -hmm. I have to give myself the wiggle room to go from being a dishonest person, mm -hmm. even if that doesn't mean I'm a bad one. I'm not a bad person because yeah. I make little lies. But it's going to take some time to go from little lies all the time to, no to nothing at all, Ooh. you know? But most people are like, well, you can't do that because, you know, it's so going to be hard. Yeah, but you have to allow yourself space to get there. True. That's why patience is so important. You have to learn from your mistakes. You have to learn from telling a lie and then challenging. The next time you lie and feel uncomfortable, it's a test to your convictions. How strong is your conviction to telling the truth? The discomfort is only a test to your conviction. That's True. how I read discomfort is how this is how much you have to grow mm -hmm. in this field. How determined are you to do that? What are you more willing to lean into the discomfort of lying? Or the discomfort of honesty. I would rather be honest, be uncomfortable as hell, yeah. and lose people in my life while doing that mm -hmm. than keep people in my life from lying or lose people from getting caught in a lie yeah. or anything that can come from that space. But how did you get to that area where you realize there's a difference between the discomfort of dishonesty and then, like, where did you decide you needed to make a change? Was there a big moment or... Was, I think for me, yeah, I think for me, because the kind of person that I am, mm -hmm. I grew up very, I was a very vulnerable child. Yeah. I was very open with my feelings, very transparent, mm -hmm. and that caused nothing but help for me in my life, because my family wasn't that way. Mm -hmm. Society isn't that way. Society doesn't teach you to be open with your feelings yeah. and to pour your heart on where you're hurting your sleep. I'm that motherfucker. Anyone that knows me, I'm that person. So, so... It was more of my own, like, letting myself have that space to be vulnerable and allowing that within myself and saying, you know what? I'm not going to apologize for being vulnerable when I know the only reason why people are rejecting it is because they are not comfortable with it. It's yes. not a testament to oh the problem goodness. of vulnerability. Yeah. It's more of, you know, I get it. It's a big pill to swallow. It's very difficult to allow yourself space to be physiologically nervous. Mm -hmm you know, to to go through all of that. So for me, I realized I liked the path that I was on, that it was benefiting me because I was like more of the empath. You mm -hmm. know, I was able to see more things oh, that even through that. my life, I was able to feel more. And I found slowly mm -hmm. the beauty in that. You know, reading really helped me out and things like that. But I think it was, I always, just like when it came to race, I just always knew that something was wrong with mm -hmm. it. I just didn't, it didn't sit right with me to numb myself from that. It didn't sit right with me to do that. So even though I was a testament to how I was socialized, right? Sexist, mm -hmm. racist, things yeah. like that. Yeah. That wasn't on me. Those are, that conditioning is what deters us from growing because we feel like it's who we are and it mm -hmm. feels like we just have to navigate through the social world. Yeah. And once I realized, even though it's really uncomfortable to go against the grain, all the time or be that person that doesn't conform mm -hmm. you know willingly in those spaces i realized it was possible to choose which way you wanted to go there's so much pushback though you and that's what you have but the thing like is we all know but the thing is we all know yeah. that there's pushback mlk got shot mm -hmm. malcolm x got shot mm -hmm. we see that big forces that's how powerful it is that's how mm -hmm. they, these systems that we want to break down are so embedded because because of the fact that it's possible to dismantle them, it's possible to go against it, and it just scares them because the reason why we're a dangerous species mm -hmm. is because we don't know how to embrace fear. We don't know how to embrace discomfort. Once we start inventing tools, mm -hmm. we quit Doing allowing our, we quit. <laughs> like we're like, we want an answer, we want to get it done, we yeah. don't want to face our own limitations. And although I've lost friends and I've kind of been that one, like that different person or always mm -hmm. kind of, even though that made my life hell yeah. and I was depressed and anxious and all of that, people know that I have a light. Like, yeah. it still shined through. You definitely do, yeah. Right, and I think that that's what it was for me is, like, once I started seeing the beauty of what came from allowing myself that space and being that person, I was like, you know what? That's okay with me. You know, I don't need to assimilate. Or even if I go get screen, it's going to make my life difficult. Yeah. I have no friends. Or I'm going to, you know, do, even if it pushed me to where I was trying to kill myself. Mm -hmm. Literally, I, I went through those, still survived, mm -hmm. still did everything, right? Didn't know what I was doing, how I was doing it. 
where it was taking me. Yeah. But it it worked. I'm I'm able to do it. I'm able to go against the grain. I'm able to not have the friends and yeah. still survive and find people that see that. So it may make your life difficult, but I think if we all understand where we want to be versus where we're at and mm-hmm. how much we allow that fudge zone, that fudge factor to be, yeah. We we just need to choose like I said. The bottom line is does it mean more to you to act in accordance of your values or does it mean more to you to have a life of comfort even though you know you're still going to lose friends even though Definitely. even if you go with what everyone else is saying, you're still going to lose friends. Mm-hmm. You're still going to face liars. You're still going to go through the hell of... You're still going to have money troubles. You're still going to have everything else. Yep. So we're lying for comfort when we know that life still is going to be shitty, even in that regard. Mm-hmm. My life is difficult, sure. Mm-hmm. But I see things so differently. I feel things so differently. I you know, that. I love the vulnerability. I felt, People were telling me that's weakness. And now I'm like, hey, if you think my putting my heart on my sleeve or my talking too much or my authenticity yeah. is offsetting that must mean that i am producing such a strong frequency that it's pushing people away okay. and that's okay because it's bigger than them how we're socialized is bigger than the individual so i don't take it personal anymore i think it takes a lot of like strength to push against the grain mm-hmm. and kind of just open up to people because you don't know how they're going to receive you and you could lose a lot of people and just mm-hmm. have one friend your entire life. Seriously. But I think it's more it's a more genuine friendship that you get with those people that you're open with. So Seriously, yeah. that's what I just saw. It was, it was a good thing for me and it's very difficult. But I think for me, since my whole life has been mm-hmm. very much like I was the black sheep in school, yeah. like people like liked me or whatever, but they didn't keep me too close. It was kind yeah. of a stiff arm because of the kind of person I am. I took that as there was something wrong with me. The, yeah, you know, anybody that, would at that. Right, anyone yeah. would, because that's what we're taught, that mm-hmm. that must mean something's wrong with you. Yeah. But then I realized, I think the reason why people had a problem with me is because I was their moral compass, that they didn't, I was the mirror mm-hmm. that they didn't want, you know Goodness. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm that person, and so I realized in school, studying, I think studying racism helped me a lot, too, because mm-hmm. no one likes to talk about this stuff, like, yeah. like to. But that was a really difficult field to get into because people want to shut you down in that. So I think with me always kind of being that person that didn't laugh at the racist jokes yeah, or, you know, would watch this stuff but still kind of critique and be like, hey, you see how that represented gender? Mm-hmm. See how that did this? You know, and, you know, people didn't like that. I had already gotten a taste of what it was like to go against the grain mm-hmm. because I was like, I would rather not go with what everyone else is saying if that means I'm not going to perpetuate White supremacist constructs. I don't even identify within a race category anymore. Oh, you just don't check a box. I don't. Right, not even like I. I tell everyone, like, "What are you?" I don't identify. So you're like I'm just me. Yeah, I don't <laughs> identify even. I don't even like identifying within femme and mask anymore. I used to say androgynous, but even then, that reinforces the fact that there's a binary. It and if I were to say I'm masculine, yeah. If I'm a woman saying that I'm masculine, mm-hmm. I'm trying to say that women can be masculine, right? That yes. that I can be that way. But instead of trying to proclaim it and identify mm-hmm. and reinforce that men are that way yeah. and that women are that way by using their own language and mm-hmm. using that, I can just be and be a testament to the fact that women can be more than what they're socialized to be mm-hmm. without identifying and reinforcing sexist notions. And we shouldn't have to say it anyway. You're just, yeah. Like yeah. you're just being what you do for the visibility. Exactly. You do so you can navigate the social world. Which is so, which we need, which we want to do, mm-hmm. but both, race didn't exist before the 1700s. Gender didn't exist before that time. Like, we were able to make it mm-hmm. before then. We were able to make it before colorism, before any of that. So I stopped identifying as mixed first because they said, well, Denisha, you're saying that there's discrete bloods to be mixed. That's some one drop rule ideology. Right yes. Because <laughs> if my peers are telling me to identify as black, that's one drop rule. That's white supremacist. Exactly. If I were to say I'm black off of my skin color or my hair texture or whatever it is, mm-hmm. if you even if you look at the apartheid in South Africa in the 1900s, mm-hmm. they had a fucking categorization chart of the differences. Now, that's some white supremacist bullshit. So the very things that we use to find empowerment yeah. within our own social space, I was like, would I rather you know, say that I'm black because I have a peer group and I have a black experience and there's all these reasons and personal political gains to be made yes. by identifying I could not do it 
because a, because race is a white supremacist construct. Yeah. So we can fight for Black Lives Matter, but we're still using the language of the white supremacist. We weren't black before we were, we were conditioned to be black. Yes. So I'm on a journey to oneness. In my big picture mindset and my ideologies are really offsetting for people because they don't have something tangible. Mm-hmm. But if you look at ancient philosophy prior to western philosophy mm-hmm. eastern philosophy is very rooted in if you can define the way to be you're doing it wrong that's Taoism. Okay. literally and so i'm like you know what i'm just gonna be and i'm just gonna be who i'm at and decolonize my mind as i start pondering as i start thinking mm-hmm. i will deconstruct it and then hopefully share with people enough to where they turn on the light. So even if they don't get what I'm saying, yeah. it's still turned on that light for you. Mind, yeah. They're still like, shit, she's right. Because once I was talking about race, everyone's like, yeah, because if, if a white person went up to you mm-hmm. and was saying, okay, they had a chart and they measured your skin and, you're, and they put Just a pencil like, in your hair right? and they did that and then they put a pencil in your hair and they said, okay, you're black, yeah. you would be pissed, right? I would be, But yeah. you would take agency and say, you're, but outside of that, you would take your own, you would find empowerment in reclaiming the fact that your hair is black hair and it makes you beautiful. Yes. Not black. So you see how we're doing the same thing yeah. with a different twist. So it's, do I want to navigate in the social world mm-hmm. or no? Even if I piss everybody off of color, right? If I know race is a social construct mm-hmm. rooted in nothing but shame mm-hmm. and dehumanizing, because everyone thinks dehumanizing is only in representation or in how we talk, but I don't think we understand how dehumanizing race is. It how is. dehumanizing gender is especially here even dehumanizing yeah. like our chromosomes existed before there were chromosomes before we knew what xx was or mm-hmm. xy or whatever mm-hmm. but we we are so adamant on those being a dictator like they existed prior to us labeling it and so labeling things dehumanizes us so we're so focused on dehumanizing acts or dehumanizing language without seeing black is dehumanizing not the people not not people that fall within that category not it has nothing to do it's bigger than you it's centuries old yeah. it's bigger than us but those politics are dehumanizing fundamentally dehumanizing even queerness is fundamentally dehumanizing because we're sitting here trying to find ways to identify ourselves it makes that make us unique different from everybody else basically. right yeah, even if it's a progressive perspective progressive like exactly yeah. like <laughs> sexuality we know there's a spectrum mm-hmm. right and so instead of just embracing the fact that you can't trace sexuality, that there's no real clear-cut sexuality, yes. we still are fighting for representation. We're still like, well, I'm, I'm queer, or I'm gay, or I'm, you know, I'm bi, or whatever. I'm like, reinforcing these or giving agency to these systems is why we're not going to be making as much progress as we could. We are because mm-hmm. love is so strong, yeah. but we're not because shame is stronger. If we're not really Definitely. pushing, because we're so actively pushing shame, but we're not actively practicing love, you know? And so I'm just telling everyone, like, I don't know if I, that makes you uncomfortable. Good. I want to make everybody uncomfortable. Yeah. I want to do that. You know, that's why I'm going to DC. It's because I'm hoping, because they're really set in the way that they do things. And I love Black Lives Matter. They definitely are. Yeah. But I think that black is problematic. I think racial categories are problematic. And I have research to show that it's a problem and it's only rooted in hatred so no matter what system we try to live in Mm -hmm. we're trying to navigate in a social world that's problematic we fucking know that why are we still doing it yeah you want to find comfort within your own racial group Mm because that's your subculture but we are all we are literally for centuries been living a life of sub categories (laughs) subcategories (laughs) Like, imagine how beautiful and how powerful and how transformative it would be if we get out of the set. No matter what comfort you find, yeah. no matter what that may do, no matter what gains there are, it's going to be difficult. That's the mo- That's the best discomfort to lean into. You know what I'm saying? Is to, do you see a world where that exists? Like- I do. I do because I know that you can't have love without shame. Yeah. So I know it's not going to be perfect. So when people think that, they think I'm aiming for a utopia. Mm-hmm. And I'm not because it's a journey to get there. Definitely. But I'm more for embracing the practice. I believe in the practice. So it's not as much what it will become yeah. as much as my faith in practice. As much as my faith in putting that out there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I'm like going day by day with it, you know, and sharing it and telling everyone. It's a, I'm practicing 
I'm not going to say we're going to live in a world that has no race, or no capital. Put it out there and not do the work. Right, but yeah. it's like, it's a, you need to practice it. You know, and I, I have faith in the transformative power enough to say, I'm sure it will change some real things. I'm sure we could live a way more fulfilling spiritual life. Yeah. If we understood oneness a little bit better. You know, and understood. Yeah, I feel like we all have a lot of inner work to do, though. That's why you got to teach vulnerability and shame, because it starts... Like in the schools? or Mm -hmm. I never saw the importance of working with kids. Yeah. Because I love kids, but I just didn't really get why one wanted wanted that. Yeah. But then the more I was, you know, like researching and reading, I was like, well, we learned to identify in grade school. John is tall. Yes. John is this, or Sue is this, or, you know, whatever. Um, So I think that if we teach kids Mm -hmm. and have a space for kids to to learn about vulnerability, Mm -hmm. to learn shame resilience, not just see that shame is a factor, but learn shame resilience, learn vulnerability, and learn that they have a choice. We, especially now, no race theory is past the 1900s. Mm-hmm. And we're just in the in the twenty first century now, so Are we're twenty first. This is twenty first because yeah. it's the two thousand. Okay. okay. So we're in the twenty first century. Mm-hmm. No research goes beyond the twentieth century. Mm-hmm. We are not only the we are a big generation, but now every motherfucker is popping out kids. <laughs> so they're going to be an even bigger generation. Yes. This is the best time right now to make the change because if we went from one to, you can categorize things by genus and species in the seventeen hundreds, to racist skin color mm-hmm. oh no racist blood a century later no it's a continental thing oh no now in the 1900s it was shared physical characteristics yes clearly socially we see that things can change in no time so i'm saying right now i would talk to kids and teach them about vulnerability and shame and teach them about social constructions yeah and and about navigating through social spaces i think we need like media literacy and i think yeah. that we need to I don't know. I think that we need to give them tool sets rather than teaching them things. I need to, we need to teach them about vulnerability, what what wholehearted means, what yeah. authentic is, you know, to get out of that. So that's why I'm like, maybe I'll go to D.C. and maybe someone will be like, Denisha, you're onto something. And I'm like, help me share that. Do you see yourself like teaching? Like I went to college to be a teacher, a math what? teacher. Really? Yeah, that's why I went to Wazoo. I thought math. you just liked math. I know. I love math. Yeah. I want to be a math teacher. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Yeah. That's why everyone trusts me with their math stuff. Like in college, everyone's like, can you help me with my Alex? Can you do this? Cause oh, my goodness. I, I didn't know that. I thought you went for, um, like, my basically race. And, yeah. No, I didn't know that until I changed my major from math. Because oh. um, my advisor, I was like, I've been in these math classes, and, like, I'm good at math. Mm-hmm. I've always have been. But I didn't want to just be in that space. It didn't yeah. fuel me. Even though Matt, like being in that learning environment with math does, mm-hmm. it wasn't fueling me in, in my classes. So I knew I was going to fail if I did it that way because I wasn't going to be happy. Yeah. And they were like, hey, what do you like to do? So cool. I went to this abolitionist workshop when I was 13. <laughs> and, um, you know, I really like talking about, yeah, I was like, I love talking about race and ending, you know, uh, racial identity and understanding what racism is and what really when I was 13 triggered me was learning that race was a social construct. Cause you learn about slavery, mm-hmm. you know, civil war and things like that. Yeah. But for Just me, barely. when I first, right. But when I yeah. first watched race, the power of illusion that was talking about how race is scientifically irrelevant, mm-hmm. right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It opened my, it like turned on the light. So even though I was still ignorant and still using the language and not knowing mm-hmm. it still turned on the light. It made me reevaluate all my actions and reevaluate what I was saying. So when I told her that, she's like, we got an ethnic studies program here. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I can take classes on my race. Are you yeah. serious? She's like, yeah. And I was like, sweet. And that was the first time, I think, aside from freedom school, that I was able to be myself mm-hmm. without people being so offset that I wasn't thinking that everything else was coming. Because you're surrounded by people who are there for the same purpose. Literally, they were like, wow, yeah. you actually have something to say because everyone else just thought I was being a stick in the mud. Yeah. And they weren't seeing the power in what I was saying, the power what I was thinking, mm-hmm. and what I was learning, and how impactful it was. So I'd want to teach, but not in a school system. I know that for sure. I want to like 
I don't know how I want to get my message out, but I I think the things that I'm finding now yeah. is so important, and I think it's so revolutionary, mm-hmm. even in the works, that I'm like, let me find a medium that I can get this out, because most people yeah. hear it, they hear what I'm saying, they see the connections, they get it. Mm-hmm. But it's so, yeah, it's, it's a so, huge it's picture, the yeah. Dis, it's the dissonance, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like. But that's why I have to be willing to lean into discomfort because most people just see big picture and they see, well, that's too vague, it's too broad. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but if you were to say that I have a light, if you would say that I'm enlightened, mm-hmm. that I'm a force, right? Yeah. I live that through being big picture. Uh-huh. I'm a testament to it. I practice my values. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I literally live through it. So even though it's offsetting, I'm like, hey, if you think I'm a decent person... I promise you, thinking big picture sometimes helps. You just have to be willing to lean into the discomfort of not knowing. All right, so how would you, like, what would you recommend for a person to start doing on their day-to-day life for them to kind of start leaning into that discomfort and getting more comfortable with dealing with sensitive topics and all of that? What What would you recommend them to do? For people to practice. Just practice? I know. What would I tell them to do? Not lying? I think that I need people, or I would want people to take a second and evaluate their situation. Mm-hmm. Ask themselves what values it is that they want to live in accordance by, and ask if their surroundings, not just their immediate surroundings, mm-hmm. but also their culture, everything that they're going with, if that embodies that. And if it doesn't, practice self-love in that space and say, you know what, that's okay, it's bigger than me. Yeah. I didn't get to this. I didn't have a choice. I was just popped out here, socialized, stuck in that space. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't mine know. has been such a journey that I don't I don't know where you start. How to tell them to practice it aside from because I've always been that person. Like, mm-hmm. I've always done it, but it's like difficult to like, yeah. be like, "Hey, I'm definitely not that kind of person." I'm yeah, very so many people are. Like I just I'll hold it in. But you can't, it's called, but you can be private. It's called boundaries. And vulnerability, yeah. they talk about boundaries. Mm-hmm. You don't want to, my problem was flooding with vulnerability. Because for me, in my household, they didn't hear me. They didn't care that they hurt my feelings. They didn't care that they were like abusive or traumatizing yeah. to me. So I had to flood my family with the vulnerability for visibility. But I didn't oh, learn, okay. but I didn't learn how to not do that. Yeah. I only, even though it didn't go anywhere in my family. Mm-hmm. I still thought that that would get me hurt. So then in my real life, I was flooding people with vulnerability. And it wasn't because I was yeah. weak or fragile, but it was because of me, I I felt so misunderstood for so long mm-hmm. that I was like, maybe if I just pour it out there. Somebody will get it. They'll get it. Or yeah. if I tell everyone first off that I have depression, mm-hmm. they would be maybe mindful that I would live through a lens, like how I live my life would be through a lens of depression. Yeah. Not that that's just who I am and I'm a victim. But that every space I'm in, mm-hmm. depression is there. And I'm battling, like I was getting over that. But like, if you're insecure, you're gonna live your life through an insecure lens. Definitely, yeah. And you know so what I'm you, saying? You find the thing that's causing that and start working on it from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's definitely a long journey. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I think it's just one of those things like, people know vulnerability. Bottom line, they, they may not know they how to do it. it yeah. They recognize it. And that's what has been working for me when I communicate with people yeah. is working off of what they what they what they get. The fact that they understand vulnerability. They hear what I'm saying. Yeah. And it does something. Like they're like, okay, I, that makes sense. I get that. Mm-hmm. How do I do it? I can't tell you how to do it because I'm more of like a Taoism kind of a person and not tell you how to live your life. Yeah, just but to fight. but to have we have faith in technology like no. nobody's business. <laughs> yeah, we literally will be like I said, if we we know that's the one thing about society. You know, we know about vulnerability. We know about leaning into certain things. People understand when I say leaning into vulnerability when it comes to addiction. Yes, when it comes to grief. Mm-hmm. You know, and if anyone knows about grief, right? So, with relating it to things that people get, even mm-hmm. if they don't have personal experience, they see that practice. Yeah. They get it, you know, and it's allowing them space to say where you're at in your life and how difficult it's going to be mm-hmm. to show up and to start being vulnerable 
or not knowing where to start doesn't mean you don't start. It doesn't, you know, it's really like, okay, you don't know how to be vulnerable. You don't know. That's not who you are. Yeah, that's okay. But it's not that that's not who you are. That's just not how you've been socialized to, to do things. Mm-hmm. We're vulnerable people. That's why we have emotions. Yeah. You know? Other, so, yeah, otherwise we wouldn't have. Exactly. Because don't feel that don't feel shame are people that don't have human emotion. Like, that so can't process that. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and so I'll literally, like, just tell people, like, it's difficult to know where to start. Yeah. I wake up every day being like, what? I don't, I don't know what to do. All I have is, like, little affirmations and, you know, trying to help myself but ultimately it's you know when I went out and I wanted to go out to the club the other night I don't want to go out very often mm-hmm. so I wanted to go out and I was shaking why because I'm very insecure mm-hmm. so and that was a hard space for me to be in because these are my friends yeah but I went by myself and I was gonna meet them there yeah so I was in my car bucket of nerves and I was like how the fuck am I gonna get out of this car yeah and I called my friend who I trust right and I said hey Tyler my coworker. I said, I need you to tell me. And it's a very vulnerable position to be in. Definitely. But I was like, I need you to tell me that I'm fun to be around. He said, why? And I was like, because I've never felt like I was fun to be around. Yeah. And I need to feel that way because I feel like when I'm out, people don't like that I'm out because I'm boring or because I'm the moral person or yeah. whatever, you know. Or I'm vulnerable, so they think that I'm going to ruin it or mm-hmm. whatever instead of that just being the beauty within myself, mm-hmm. you know. And he was like, no, that's, you know, Denisha, that's okay. And I was so nervous that it was throwing me off. And aside from going to him, that experience for me, I was like, I know I have a lot of room for growth in that area. I know, I know even without being nervous that I can work on my esteem night and day. I'm a, I, I love who I am as a person, but like, I know that I need to work on my self-esteem, like being yeah. beautiful and things like that. So me being nervous in a social situation, how, how uncomfortable you are in situations, you just need to take a second. Yeah. Allow space to be shaking and be nervous. Allow yourself a space to do that. And then with patience and with that self-compassion, yeah. you will see love is that strong that it will present you with this is what you need to work on. You lie. The reason why you're uncomfortable is because if it's a little lie, it's a little yeah. discomfort. It's because you could have been honest. Mm-hmm. It, it tells you the discomfort is a measurement of how much room for improvement you have, and in what aspect of your life you have mm. to grow from. That is a really good way to put it. Right. That's why. That's why I tell them about practice. It's like, hey, if you're a little bit nervous, that's okay. If you're a little, however you experience vulnerability. Yeah. If it's a little bit of discomfort. You got a little bit of room for growth. If it's a lot of discomfort. You got a lot of room. Right. You got a lot that's of okay. room, yeah. and that's and that you need to start somewhere, and yeah. you need to feel okay to start somewhere and to do that you we need to learn how to be sometimes physiologically mm-hmm. nervous to yeah, be it's, it's a mess a purpose. to be a mess yeah. sometimes you need to have a couple of days of a fucking meltdown and you don't know why you have a meltdown and then you'll realize at the end of allowing yourself that space you're like man like yeah. you know this is what i need to do you know and so once i realize that that's what i'll tell people like hey if something's causing you distress what, why are you distressed? And don't think about it in a situational basis. Don't think about yeah. the specific moment you're in. But think about what is it a testament to? Like me not wanting to go out with speaking of my esteem. Yeah. And, and I not know. The people, right, not any of that. It wasn't anything. At the rational side, I was like, it's not anything else. What it's could it be? You. And I said, oh, Tyler's like, well, Denisha, you're really hard on yourself. So it could be that your nerves is your body's way and your soul and love's way mm-hmm. of getting you to to change paths to to love yourself to feel comfortable with going out yeah you know what i'm saying and so i was like yeah you're right because this club isn't a big deal going out with people isn't a big deal yeah it's just something but i was else. like damn i have a lot of room for improvement here yeah. so i should be shaking just like addicts have a lot of room for improvement mm-hmm. so they go through withdrawals yes it's literally a direct result. The beginning, it's shame versus love. Man. You know what I'm saying? The discomfort. That's why I say you got to be. Ask yourself, what are you willing to lean into? Because when people get nervous when they lie, a big lie, you're nervous as it. And that nerve isn't because you're gonna get caught in a lie. That nervousness, because that's what we are. We are taught to think. That's what gets us out of the big picture stuff. Is thinking, oh, we're only nervous because we're gonna get caught. Yeah. Sure, but we're nervous because of the fact that because of the fact that we're going so against our grain or that we have so much room 
for improvement in that area. Because you know it's wrong. When you, you lie, know you it's know. wrong. You can feel it literally in all your all of your body. But it's like that. But you can't tell. Most people don't know if that those nerves are because they're scared to get caught, mm-hmm. or you know because they know it's wrong, or because it's like, hey, this is love's way of saying, I'm giving you another chance. You know what I'm saying? I'm to giving try. you a shot. <laughs> Yeah. This is another shot. Just own up. Literally, yeah. it's like, hey, do it because you will just you will be just as nervous yeah. getting caught in that lie or living that lie as you are than, than being the truth or being in between. Yeah. So it's like, what what do you want to do? What's your call? Oh my goodness! I think I might have to try that. I, I promise you, it will work. It's not the easiest life. I'll tell you that. I don't like living in the discomfort every day. Yeah, but it has really it's helped me out. It has helped me out, and it's like, it's strength. It's strength in a different way. It's strength in a very human way. It's strength even before humans, because we weren't humans until 1700. <laughs> 1700s. I'm so, I will give, I will give you the person responsible for, that for the art. Literally, it's an artificial system of category. Artificial, uh-huh. not natural. But do you ever think that humans are just labeling so that they can find a way to explain everything? I think human beings want to do that yeah i think that that's our vice i think that's our achilles tendon Mm -hmm. is our belonging explaining is our wanting to categorize things and find that i think that until we find people that have lived it learned it and can reteach it and really change the whole social scene for us it's going to be one of those things that we have to kind of look retro and retrospect and grow you know, from our mistakes and things like that. I I don't know. I I just feel like it's possible, and I think that it's worth it. And being uncomfortable pays off. Big big time. I'm gonna try it. It I'm it it pays off. Yeah. Like we want to categorize things. We want to know things, and that's okay. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. But. Imagine if we were to do that and have that natural side of us, but it'd be rooted in different things. Like you see how crazy technology can be, right? Yeah. In in a best way. And in the worst way, but in the best way. Lots of the worst ways. Right. So we see how much we can do, how powerful we are, how powerful that force is. Yeah. Now if we rooted that in ethics, Mm -hmm. Ooh, like, people be- think that I'm anti-government. I'm not. But if you had a government rooted in a love ethic... It would be different. It would be different. Mm-hmm. So I'm. So that's why I'm telling people, I'm like, again, if you're willing to put long hours mm-hmm. to come up with something brand new, yeah. to do whatever, that's fine. But if it was rooted in ethics, if we lived through our ethics, we would still, because of shame, and love and shame, and the yin and yang, and the good and bad, mm-hmm. those forces... We would still have, like, problems. We would still compartmentalize things or do whatever, mm-hmm. but it would be rooted in something totally different because we're constantly leaning into discomfort in society. We're constantly, or not. Yeah. We're either numbing ourselves or leaning into discomfort. It's just what are we choosing? Yeah. That's what it is. It's like we're still going to do what we naturally do. Yeah. But if we changed our values, if we lived our values, mm-hmm. if we chose... You know, or nurture people to where they don't have to so actively choose something that's so against what they've been socialized to do. Like if you talk to kids. Yes. It won't be, you won't be like, Denisha, this is going to be difficult for me. Yeah. So lean into discomfort. If as a kid, you, you, were, taught you were taught to, to do lean that. into it. Yeah. So like, that's why I tell people, you need to, most people when they're upset, like my friend, my coworker Vince, he's my friend, he has panic attacks at work, mm-hmm. anxiety. I know what that's like. Those are yeah. bigger than you. Oh, so when he has, yeah, so when he has a panic attack. And he feels bad about it. Yeah. I said panic attacks are so much bigger than you. They are, really. So don't make yourself feel bad for having that. Yeah. Just like you being hesitant about leaning into discomfort in this regard or being so big picture, mm-hmm. that's bigger than you. That These feelings are bigger than you. It's Discomfort is so much larger than life. Mm-hmm. You know, these forces, love and shame, are so much bigger than ourselves that we need to allow ourselves forgiveness you know and that self-compassion to have a journey yeah and the space to feel 
Look, that's why I'm that person. I give everyone, if anyone knows anything about me, I want a space to feel how I feel. Yeah. And I want to give space for people. You know, that's why when I was dating, like, straight women, right, with Brie, mm-hmm. she thought that it would be more to me to date someone that was queer or out the queer. Yeah. I said, I'm not here to, or that I would want her to come out to her family. And I was like, that is your space. Mm-hmm. That is your journey. I am not here to do any of that. Yeah, that's your work. It's not about that. That yeah. is your space because we all, we'll all have a different perspective, mm-hmm. you know? But if you study black box theory, that's what literally scares us, that we don't know what's going on. We make, what is black box theory? Um, it's basically a theory that says that we have associations between two things without questioning the, mechan- or the mechanism of why we associate those two things, like the sunrise and morning. Yeah. There's nothing about it. The sun is up for as much time as the sun is down. Yeah. Why is the sunrise being in the morning? Especially if we see other species or up at nighttime. Yeah. Why okay. do we associate? Well, because we're supremacists as human beings, right? We like to think that we're the master <laughs> species. You know, that so. is true. Have you read that book? Um, I think I have it. Ishmael. No. no I, I feel like giving it to you, but I haven't finished it. Goodness. All right. I'm going to finish, finish it, it before you leave, and okay. I'm going to give it to you. Two weeks. I got it from this guy. Um, we went to Pike Place Market, and I asked him like, what his, his one book that has influenced his whole method of thinking, and he said Ishmael, and he just, afterwards, it's like um, everything that he thought before he read that book changed completely, and that's how he looks at his life, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Anyways, it's about this gorilla and this man, and they're having theological conversations about like cosmology and cosmogony and all of that kind of stuff, and then just how we came to think that before us, nothing else existed. Even if it did, they time. were yeah. dumb. Exactly, yeah. Like, until no that day, impact, yeah, right. we are the reason that the Earth was made and the universe exists mm-hmm. and all of that. Even though so it existed before we were able, like I said, with chromosomes. Yeah. It existed prior to us knowing what they were, mm-hmm. but we attributed meaning. And, it, and one thing in the book, Daring Greatly by Renee Brown, she talks about is when we do that, yeah. we're allowing space for shame in our lives when we identify something. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing about this one book called, you know, Oneness. Um, and it's talking about how we're so separate now. Yeah. Now we all feel so separate is when you allow that fudge zone, not just in line, mm-hmm. let's say we apply that fudge factor idea yeah. into labeling. We know labeling is dehumanizing, at least within our own species, it's dehumanizing because of the fact that if I say you're Lydia and I'm Denisha, yes. I will only ever see you as a separate entity. I will not see you as connected to me aside from whatever yeah. we can have, right? It would literally be you're you and I'm me. But if we didn't do that, yeah. we wouldn't feel that separate feeling. We wouldn't feel like separate entities because we know we're not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and in one of the books in a college that I'm reading, I literally was talking about how um, we, we allow, when we allow those spaces to kind of like disconnect, we're reinforcing the problematic ideas that we're so desperately trying to shake out of. And so... So I don't know. I feel that we need to really look at what we're doing, what we're saying, mm-hmm. and get like we can't keep practicing shaming techniques, even if it's not literally you're not worthy of connection. It happens that way when we stop seeing ourselves as one. Mm-hmm. We allow space. For that, yeah. if if we see that, you know what I'm saying. And it becomes easier to kind of disassociate yourself from society and kind of make decisions where you mm-hmm. know it's going to benefit you and hurt somebody else. Right. Just yeah. like when I said, if one person steals a couple hundred bucks yeah. and a bunch of people do, well, yeah, we're stealing a dollar, mm-hmm. but we're not thinking about the ramifications. That's why even in the documentary it was awesome because they were talking about we all hate the IRS and we hate taxes and yeah. like that. But so many people will fudge the system to get the best refund that we're stealing money from the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're blaming the top 1% for poverty when we don't understand that we're taking money out of the government that could go to fix systems. Not saying that the bigger ups are looking out for us, yeah. but we're also not doing our part. Yeah. We're also hindering things. You know, We're also responsible. And I think mm-hmm. that individuality 
is great for the personal and political gains, especially with navigating through a social world. Yeah. I, don't, I couldn't tell you how to navigate a social world without identifying as Denisha, without seeing myself as that. I don't yeah. know how to, but just because I don't know how to mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's not possible. We just need to be okay with ambiguity, and we're not. We're not knowing what's going on. We uh, yeah, hate that. I hate that. It makes me worry. Like, and we hate that because more. we stopped evolving as, I think our brains keep evolving. Yeah. You know, because love really is looking out for us and really trying to help us get it together. Mm-hmm. But we stopped evolving when we made fire. That's why, that's why we woke, I couldn't even be outside in the 40 degree weather without freezing. True. That says how weak we are. <laughs> that's not a, like, it's not my fault that I can't handle 40 degree weather. But our species stopped doing that Mm -hmm. we stopped allowing ourselves to do that we need to stop allowing these fudge zones be like you know what i'm trying to get out of the banks and not because i'm anti-capitalist even though i am i'm real commie (laughs) (laughs) die hard commie but like oh goodness uh yeah but like for it will take a lot for me to get everything out of the banks and to you know wipe out of that Things that are making my life very difficult. It will, yeah. To have There's a lot of things stuff. you won't be able to do. Right, but you need to ask yourself, is having that new iPod worth labor, child labor? We all know that happens, yeah. and, and we are like, oh, we know that happens, we know it's wrong. But it's okay. This but we're still, we're still letting it be. Yeah. And so we need to ask ourselves, is that the kind of life that we want to live. Oh, that is so true. Where we turn our backs to what we know is wrong mm-hmm. because it's out of sight, out of mind. And it makes our life easier. Right. Or so, do exactly or do we just decide yeah. to not fund those systems? And if know? we took away our money, they wouldn't be doing those things. Right. The and they probably lose their shit. Yeah. Right. The reason why race is so embedded is because if people understood oneness, mm-hmm. whiteness wouldn't exist. That's why there's this white yeah, fragility. There wouldn't be a difference. Yeah, like, because whiteness only, there's a book I read that was beautiful called The Future of Whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a great analytic. It's like analytic of uh, whiteness, and it goes into the instability of racism. Mm-hmm. The instability of racism in this book is vulnerability and Ooh. shame. Ooh. Swear to God, when I read that, I was like, guys, I was like, oh my God, guys, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I'm ready. Like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, I loved it. Yeah. And she was talking about how white was only created by distinguishing what it is not mm-hmm. and then what was left was white that's why we saw jewish being entered late irish yes uh-huh. things like that we started seeing all those different people being able to get in there because yeah. they were pushing everybody out and one of the threats to not only whiteness but race yeah. is by embracing oneness and by understanding that there is no difference that understand that the very categories yeah. the very things that you like if i were to say you know what what's your race you'd say black Right, I would say okay. Aside from, in respects to multiplicity, in respects to the black experience, I get that because that's heavy-handed. Aside from that, what else would make you identify as black? Well, see, for me, it's basically from my culture and just the traditions that we have, the way that I was raised. That's what makes me black. Okay, but I also identify as Kenyan. Okay. Which is the other thing. And we're just like talking about this. With, yeah, with my cousin. And we're talking about how there's a difference between African American and then, like, African. Yeah, I noticed that a lot. Which is, that yeah, way. you can definitely tell. Even at WC, you could tell there's. Oh, there's just, especially at WC. Yeah, there's, there's just such a little rift. There's a disconnect. Yeah. And, and if I were to say. Aside from. Because I get coached just like when I talk to people about, you know, like religion. Mm hmm. I don't mess with faith. I get that. Like, I get how powerful and what we, what, how it's linked to survival, mm-hmm. how it's linked to culture. Yeah. So I can't mess with it. Like, as much as, you know, I want to, like, say whatever it is, I get it. I get how big of a force it is, right? And how big that system would have to, how much would have to change for things to right. be different. different. Yeah. But if I said, okay, Lydia, I say you don't get to identify as black anymore. Like, let's just say you didn't. Okay. You know? And you're like, most people would be like, oh, Denisha. When I walk down the street, yeah, I'm still black. Definitely. Okay, but and they don't know. I mean, unless people know like you're African. Aside from that, what would make someone on the street see you as black? Nothing. No, but I mean, like they would see you would say they see my skin color. Skin color. Yeah, yeah they're like, well, Denisha, noticeably 
this way. Like, right? Exactly. I stopped identifying, like, I'm, like, I don't identify as a woman only because I'm not anti any of that. It's just, like, we were before we were women and men. So I'm just here. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just in this physical form doing whatever it is that love wants me to do. Yeah. In this form. But, like, well, Denisha, you can choose all you want to not identify as black. Uh, yeah, you But can. you walk down the street and people are going to say that you're black. And I said, I hear that, but they're only saying black off of the white supremacist construct little clipboard. Like, where are you? Of what blackness is. And if we're anti-white supremacist. Yes. If we believe that that's fucked up. Like I said, if someone went up to you and started shoving things in your hair, looking at your teeth, looking at your build, (laughs) and measuring your skin color, you would want to fight them. Don't use that as the very same markers for your own racial category. Oh, wow. Because it wouldn't exist if we didn't accept that caste system. You know what I'm saying? If we said, you know what, that caste system is messed up, mm-hmm. it, it's dehumanizing. You know what I'm saying? Even if we find our, our we find love in these spaces, yeah, that is more a testament to love than it is a testament to the glory of identifying within those constructs. All right, that's all I have for you this week. But tune in next Friday for the second episode of this conversation. As always, you can reach me on my Instagram or my Twitter at Elshampole or my website, elshampole.com. All right, tell your friends, subscribe, and please leave a review. All right, till next time.